welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Vacaville, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We are so glad and honored that you would join us today, and we pray that this message you're listening to is a blessing to your day. We want to invite you to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service times. We hope to see you at a service or a special event sometime soon. That's what happened when the Euroclidon hit them, when that typhoon hit them. They started parting with things they didn't. Where 24 hours earlier, they thought they couldn't live without. Now, it is just dead weight on the ship. I want you to toss some things over before you hit this new year. Start getting rid of some stuff you didn't think you could live without. And this, that ain't part of my message. That's just, that was free. Verse 20, and neither the sun, neither sun nor stars in many days appeared. Many days they were in this typhoon. And no small tempest lay on us. All that we should, uh, all that we should be saved was then taken away. But after long absence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. Now, let me break that down from King James to modern English. And I love Paul for this. He says, I told you big dummies don't leave. Well, maybe they said what he was saying was, I told you so. I told you don't leave. Then in verse 22, he encourages them. The next verse. And now I exhort you, be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. Cheer up. The very thing that's keeping us out of the water, fixing to go away. Be of good cheer. I hope you know how to swim. For there stood by me this night the angel of God whom's, whose I am and who I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. See, Paul didn't understand what was going to happen at Caesar's, but he was saying, God preserved me to testify before Caesar. Now, Paul's going, to, Paul's going to be executed by Caesar. Amen. Well, I don't got time to dwell on that because I don't want you to get depressed. But sometimes God will save you for things that you wouldn't have shouted about had you known what he, never mind. But ultimately, he's God. Amen. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe that, I believe God. Everybody say, I believe God. That it shall be even as it was told me, howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. Verse 20, and when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves into the sea, and they loosed the rudder bands and hoisted up the mainsail to the wind and made towards shore and falling into a place where two seas met. They ran the ship aground and the forepart stuck fast and remained unmovable, but the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. And the soldier's counsel was to kill the prisoners, that included Paul, lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion willing to save Paul kept them from their purpose and commanded that they 
which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. I love verse 44. And the rest, some on boards, some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. The nose of the ship runs aground. The waves absolutely decimate the ship to pieces. But everybody survived. Everybody survived. I, I, just, I just want to preach on this simple thought for a moment. Don't drown in shallow waters. Don't drown in shallow waters. Look at your neighbor and tell them, don't drown in shallow waters. Turn around and tell somebody else, don't drown in shallow waters. You might be thinking, well, pastor, why am I turning around and telling my neighbor? I'm going to tell you why. Because I'm going to need you to do a whole lot of talking today. I'm going to need you to turn to your neighbor a whole lot today and encourage them and bless them and warn them. And believe me, you're going to want to sit by somebody who is willing to turn and talk to you too. And if they have yet to do it, you have my blessing when time's appropriate, move to somebody that will help you and that will speak to you and that will bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we pray together right now? Lord Jesus, I thank you for your presence and your mighty anointing in this place. I pray right now, Lord, that you would have your absolute sovereign will in this house, God. I pray that you would move into the midst of this congregation in a mighty way. And I pray that you would speak to us as only your word can speak to us, Lord. I pray that you would have free reign and a sovereign way in this place. Speak to us, O oh God, through your holy word that has been preserved. Lord, I pray that life will be spoken into somebody, direction and change. Lord, I pray that you would do a work in us that only you are able to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And would you thank the Lord for his word? <laughs> Hallelujah. Just give him high praise for his word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Turn around and touch somebody again and tell them, don't drown in shallow waters. Amen. And if you said that, you can be seated. Amen. It seems a ridiculous notion that you could drown in shallow water. Seems quite silly that a grown person could drown in shallow waters, especially after you survived the depth of a storm. It seems strange that you could drown in something you could handle, but you survived things you couldn't handle. It seems strange that you could drown in something that you could master, but somehow survive something that was unmasterable. But there is that danger. You see, the toughest times of life are, are not in the beginning of the struggle. Because the beginning of the struggle catches you fresh. You've got energy. You've been rested. 
You've got, you, you've, got some, you, you've got some stamina in you. But at the end, it's totally different. You see, in the beginning, you're vibrant. You're dangerous. You're, you're ready to pounce like a tiger. The hammer's cocked and you're ready to pull the trigger. Everything's fresh. But it's when you're closest to the shore that you're most vulnerable to collapsing. Because you have weathered the storm. You have fought the dark nights on the raging sea. And now when you are just mere feet away from what is certain salvation, it's there when you are exhausted to your core that even little things can start taking you out. The word of God said, beware of little foxes that spoil the vines. Amen. It's not those big sins that are going to take you out. It's those little unchecked ones in the shallow waters when you're weary. It's not the big well in the deep of the water. It's the little things in, in the shallow water that is able to take you out. And, 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 it may, and it may seem ridiculous that I'm talking about drowning in shallow waters, but, but statistics say that most accidents occur two miles or less from your home. You are most likely to have an accident within two miles of your house. But it seems to me, I mean, that just seems ridiculous because it seems to me if you're going to crash, it would be in unfamiliar areas. It would be 50 or 100 miles away from your house or on the other side of the state. But statistics have thoroughly proven that within two miles of your home, you are most likely to end up in an auto accident. And when this was researched, it was because that people most of the time returning home are fatigued or they're fatigued when they leave home and they're in familiar settings and they don't have their guard up like they normally would in an unfamiliar setting. And so rather than making the complete stop around that blind curve, they'll just go ahead and roll through it, not thinking, just ready to get home, just ready to rest and pull in front of a vehicle and some danger or calamity would ensue behind that. But you see, oftentimes the most difficult part of your walk with God is not going to come in the deep of the ocean. It's going to come when you are closest to your breakthrough. And what I read in your hearing today, the text I read in your hearing today, we're following the Apostle Paul, who is on a journey for the Lord. And there are some concepts that, that I want to pull out for you today that I want to share with you this afternoon that, that, that hopefully will keep you from drowning in shallow waters. Again, I want you to elbow somebody near you and ask them, are you listening today? Come on, to ask them, are you listening today? So the first thing is this, the first thing that I want to, and there, there's three main points, but the first one I want to give you, and you may, if you're, if you're taking notes, you're going to want to write this down. The first thing I want you to know about how to avoid drowning in shallow waters is don't take the presence of the storm to indicate the absence of God. Don't take the presence of the storm to indicate the absence of God. Because sometimes when you enter a storm, and believe me, there are all kinds of storms in life. Not all storms are the same, but all will go through storms. Being saved does not keep you from a storm. 
living right, giving offerings, paying tithes, teaching Bible studies, showing up, doing everything you're supposed to do does not exempt you from a storm. The Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. Both the house on the sand and the house on the rock encountered the same storm. The difference was the foundation. We're all going to go through storms. And the reason this is important because there are three phases in your life. Either you're about to go into a storm, you're in a storm, or you just came out of a storm. And you will never exit that pattern because all of life is cyclical. It goes in circles. And you will either be going into that storm, in the storm, or coming out of the storm on your way back in to another storm. So let me say, like Paul said, cheer up another storm's on the way. And there's all kinds of storms. You can't predict the storm. There is no, there is no forecasting what kind of storm there is because there's all kinds of storms. There's health storms. There's physical storms. There's financial storms. There's emotional storms. There's marital storms. There's family storms. There's vehicle storms. Some of us been through some vehicle storms this year, amen? There's all kinds of storms. There's career storms, job storms, bank account storms. False brethren storms, broken relationship storms. There's all kinds of storms that come upon us. And I'm not talking about the storms that rain down water, the lightning and the thunder and all of that. I'm talking about the storms that other people cannot see. I'm talking about undetectable storms. I'm not talking about the storm where you put a little rain cloud over your head and walk around and with your bottom lip sticking out so far you trip over it. I'm not talking about that kind of storm. I'm talking about the storm that nobody else knows you're going through. I'm talking about you're going through a storm, but hardly anybody else knows that you're going through that storm. Because you got up this morning and, and you got dressed and you came to the house of the Lord. Because some people that are shallow and some people that only live for God for the benefits, they, do, they don't show up to church when the storms, they, they stay home and blame God for the storm. But not you. you, you got up and came anyway. You didn't feel good, but you came anyway. You brushed your teeth, you combed your hair, you fixed your hair, you steamed your dress, you ironed your pants, you put on your shoes, and you came to church. Why? Because you knew that in spite of the storm, God is worthy of my praise. God is worthy of my worship. And though I may be in a storm right now, my countenance is not revealing the depth of the Eurocliden that I'm in right now. I'm not, I'm not gonna let I'm not gonna let my actions reveal the viciousness of the typhoon that I'm suffering. You get up every morning and you put your you put your smile on. You came in, you pulled into this parking lot this afternoon, and you were smiling. You're smiling out of self-defense because you wept all the way from the house to here. And if it didn't happen today, there have been times you pulled into this parking lot and this was the very last place you wanted to go. You wanted to get under a bed. You wanted to curl up and cry. You wanted to stay home. You, wanted, you, didn't, want, you didn't want to go to work. You didn't want to see your family. You wanted to lock yourself in a closet and say, it's as bad as I've ever been. And I, I, but you know what? You didn't do that. You suffered in that storm silently. They don't know you have come to church and sat around the corner waving and fanning your eyes to get the redness out because you wept all the way to church. 
Am I, I'm, I'm going to preach to real people. Fake Christians ain't going to get anything out of this. But I'm talking to real people that have been through some storms. That have stood in the storm and, and screamed, God, if you can hear me, kill me. And if you've not been there, keep living, baby. It's going to come. You walked in smiling because you're going through a secret storm. Anybody here ever gone through a secret storm before? You see, when you're going through a visible storm, people are nice. They'll hand you an umbrella. They'll, they'll, they'll help you inflate a raft. They'll cook a meal. They'll put an arm around you. They'll send you a text. They'll buy a meal for you. They'll sit down with you. But most storms we go through are secret storms. But when you're going through a secret storm, there's no comfort because nobody knows that you're dealing with a storm. And I'm not suggesting that you air out every storm you go through, nor am I saying that there's something wrong with you if you cry out for help. Some people I never know because they always seem to be in some world-ending dilemma. They stub their toe and they're dying in two days. When you're going through a secret storm, people don't know that. People just look at you even in the midst of the storm and they think everything is perfect in your life. Everything is all put together because you do a good job of having faith in God. Don't believe for a moment that I'm rebuking that kind of faith in God. There is something that just causes the heart of God to smile when you are able to lift your voice and worship and be faithful in the midst of hell breaking out in your life. The people look at you and they watch your worship and they watch you. I hope I'm preaching to somebody. They watch your worship. They watch your faithfulness. They watch your abilities. They watch your talents and they look at you with so much jealousy and envy and they think, well, I just wish I had their life, but they don't know the agony that you've had. They're, they're jealous of everything about you. They're, they're jealous down to the car you drive. They don't know you're two payments behind on that car because you're just trying to hold everything together because life hits you with a storm that you weren't prepared for. And sometimes it is our fault. Sometimes it ain't nothing to do with us. You're envious of the position you were promoted to on the job. They say, oh, I wish I had that. They don't know you don't sleep anymore. They don't know the weight of that job has laid on you so hard that you wake up in the middle of the night in cold sweats for afraid you're going to disappoint somebody or fail God because of the pressures that that job has put on you. All they can see is the promotion. They don't see the storm that you went through to get there and the storm that you're in once you get there. You're in a storm and nobody even knows it. And when we get in the storm, we have a tendency to ask the most common question that rises to our mind in the midst of the storm, and that is, where is God in all of this? Where is God in the midst of this storm? 
Why has God not ended this storm? Why has God not shown up? And Job even said that. I preached on this last one. Even Job said that. Job said, I looked for him. He was here a minute ago. He was just right over there. I went on the left hand. On the right hand, where, and I couldn't find him. I went to the left hand where he was working. I couldn't find him. I went up. I went down. I went in. I went out. I went side to side. I went everywhere I could go, but yet I could not perceive him. Where is God in my storm? Amen. And the reason why we ask this is because we're human and it's an age old notion that we have all bought into that if God was with us there would be no storm amen that if God were really with us we'd be happy everything would be peaches and cream everything would be tiptoeing through the tulips everything would be perfect I wouldn't have any stress I wouldn't have any trouble and only God knows if he was with me there would be no storm in my life if God was really on my side everything would go smooth if God was really on my side I wouldn't have these problems at job on my job I wouldn't have these problems with my family if God really loved me if God was really on my side I wouldn't have to deal with this if God was with me I wouldn't have so many bills to pay if, if God was really with me how, how can I have a health crisis if God is really with me how can my home be in foreclosure if God was really with me how come I'm struggling to make two ends meet at the end of the month if God is really with me then why is the doctor saying cancer if God is really with me then why are they telling me I'm diabetic if God is really with me why is my family abandoning me if God was really there Job said I can't figure it out I don't know where he is. How can my child die and God be with me? How can my house burn to the ground and God be with me? I looked for him. I looked for him. I looked for him. I looked everywhere, but I couldn't find him. How can God be with me? I didn't see him on the right. I didn't see him on the left. I looked behind me. I didn't see him. You said, God, that you would be with me. You told me you had my back. Some of you are getting moved right now because you've said the very same things. God, you said you'd be with me always, but I can't find you anywhere. I thought you said you would lead the way but I'm in the storm and I can't see anything. God, where are you at in this? But you see, it's not possible to be able to see in a storm. That's why God told you to walk by faith and not by sight. You can't see the storm. You don't look for God to you don't look for God to be sensual during the storm. He's not going to appeal to your senses and your comfort in the midst of the storm. God will not make you comfortable in your storm just because you are in the presence of the storm. Remember, the storm does not negate the presence of God. A present storm does not mean an absent God. But if you really want to see God do his best work, get in trouble. If you really want to see God be God, get in a storm. No, no, no. See, you, we, we've got it messed up. We think God does his best work while we're up here shouting and dancing and running and shouting hallelujah and talking in tongues. We think that's when God's doing his best work, honey. God ain't even hardly moving a muscle when that happens. But when all hell breaks loose in your life and the waves start cresting over your bow, that's when God shows up and does his best work. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. 
some of you feel that God's angry with you and that's why you're in a storm. No, you're in a storm because storms happen. And God does his best work in the midst of your storm. Now, I know the Bible says God inhabits the praise of Israel. Amen. God visits our praise. I understand that God visits our praise. I understand that. But if you want to know where God lives, if you want to know where God resides, he resides in the midst of your storm. He resides right in the very middle of your trouble because my Bible tells me that he is a very present help in the, oh my God, if he's present in my time of trouble, that means he never left my trouble. He was in my trouble before I got in trouble. He'll be in my trouble when I get out of trouble. He was in my storm before I ever heard the first thunder roll because God's already in the midst. If you're looking for God, he's in the storm. Just helping anybody today. He's in the storm. He's in your storm. He's probably not going to say anything. Peter, you'll probably find him asleep at the bottom of the boat and not wringing his hands. But don't you dare think that he jumped off the boat because you were in the storm. He is with you in the storm. Because he promised he would be with you in the storm. As a matter of fact, God loves the storm so much. One time the sea roared up against the disciples on the midst of the storm. And the Bible said they were getting ready to die. They were all saying their farewells and they were singing their sayonaras before the waves crashed the boat and caused them to drown. But the Bible said at the height of their desperation, in the midst when they thought they were surely going to die, all of a sudden Jesus starts gliding across the waves of the water. You want to know why? Because God loves the storm so much. He said, I'm not going to let you go through it by yourself. I'll take a shortcut and walk on the storm to get with you in the storm. You want to see God work? Watch him in the storm. You want to see God perform? Watch him in the storm. Even when you can't see him, he's working. Even when you can't hear him, he's working. Matter of fact, matter of fact, that's one of the very few times in Scripture you're ever going to find Jesus sleeping. Huh? He's at home in your storm. I want to tell you something about the promises of God. Listen to me. I want to tell you something about the promises of God. Anytime God promises you something, you ready? This is powerful. Grip the chair. I don't want anybody falling out. All right? This is powerful. If your neighbor starts fainting, fan him a little bit and pray for him, okay? Let me tell you something about the promises of God. Anytime God promises you something, get ready for trouble. Oh, I know, I know this ain't Osteen theology here. I get that. Just, just hold on. Hold on. It's going to get worse. God bless me. God promised me. Okay. God promised you something. Get ready for the storm. Now, I, I know you had not heard it taught that way across your TikTok theologians and your YouTube preachers and all that kind of stuff. But I want to tell you from the word of God this morning, this afternoon, that anytime God promises you something, you can write it down. Trouble's on the way. 
I don't promise obvious stuff. God don't promise obvious. I never promised my wife, I'll always be a country boy. That's, that's pretty obvious. I, I, it is. I never promised my daughter, daughter, as long as you live, I'll have blue eyes. That's pretty obvious. They're not going to change. I never promised my wife, honey, you can rest assured, I'm always going to be a man. Well, in this day and age, maybe I should. I never promised that. You don't want to know why? Because you never promise the obvious. You only give a promise when you know that something is going to come in and make you doubt. Let me say it again. You don't promise the obvious. You only make a promise when you know doubt will be introduced. If I write you a check, the check is not money. I almost had my wife give me a check, but I don't even know if we use them anymore. The check is not money. The check is paper. The check, Brother Chase, is a promissory note, right? It is a promise note that promises you, if I wrote you a check, Brother Matthew, for $1,000, and I'm not. But if I wrote you a check for $1,000... The fact that I wrote the check, if you're an honest person, some people write checks knowing the money's not in there and you need to get right with God anyway. Well, that's another message for another time. And God blessed me this past week. I filled up my vehicle in Texas for $2.09. Did I not? I showed him a picture. I said, nobody's going to believe this. I filled up, I don't know how many gallons it was, 15 gallons for $2.09, and I didn't even rip them off. I pulled up in the shells. I don't use shell anymore. I use 76 exclusively, so I didn't use, I haven't used my shell rewards in months, and there was a shell beside the Waffle House, and we were almost out of gas, and I'm not, I was there at the Waffle House and wasn't willing to go around the corner. To, I, I wanted to eat, so I stopped right there, and I got out, and I thought, oh, I still got this rewards card. Pull it in. It says, you have $3.05 off per gallon. And I said, well, glory be to Jesus. Let the hallelujahs roll. That was really awesome considering that gas was only $2.85 a gallon, which meant I only had to pay the tax at $0.12 a gallon. So I got myself premium for $2.09. I don't think they meant for that to happen, Brother Clifton, when they handed out them reward cards. Amen. God will bless. But when you write a check, it's a promissory note that I promise you that the amount that I wrote is already in the account. And to guarantee it, I put my legal name on there to guarantee and give access to the promised funds that are attached to that note. 
You can't take that check and go to Best Buy. You can't take that check and go to Applebee's. You can only go to the bank bank and make a withdrawal or a deposit on that check. When God gives you a... Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. When God gives you a promise, what he is saying is you may not be able to spend it right now. You may not even see it happen right now. It may seem impossible right now, but I promise you someday you're going to get exactly what I said. God is saying, I may not have your senses, but I've got you a promise. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence, I may not see it, but God said it and I believe it. Hallelujah. Did he promise you anything? Has God promised you anything? You see, you can't tell me God won't do it because I heard him say it. I heard him when he said he promised that he would be with me. Amen. He said, I will be with you. I know I'm in the storm right now. But you see, he would not have promised me. Amen. If his presence was apparent. Amen. But because you never promised the obvious. Because you never promised what is obvious. This is what God said in his word. But when you pass through the water, you got my word on on it. I will be with you when you are in the storm. You may not see me. You may not feel me. You may not sense me. But I'm telling you, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. God said you're not out there by yourself. You're not out there beating the waves and stroking through the water by yourself. God said I'm with you stroke by stroke, kick by kick, pedal by pedal. You're not going to go anywhere that I'm not. I'll be right beside you. Oh, hallelujah. Don't be so aware of the storm and I got to hurry. Don't be so aware of the storm. Don't be so aware of the storm that you lose your awareness of God in the storm. I wonder if Peter wouldn't have done better steering the boat, steering the ship from the bottom of the boat rather than topside. Instead of steering into the central realm, the real guide was in the bottom of the boat asleep. Let me ask you something this afternoon. Are you steering your life based on what you see? Or are you steering your life based on what you believe? Because if you are trying to use a physical rudder to navigate the storm of life, you will wreck yourself. But the moment you just pull back, unfurl the sail and say, God, you have to be in control of this. Amen. You don't steer through the storm based on the conditions of the storm. You steer through the storm based on the solidarity of your faith and understanding that this too shall pass. Amen. Now I know I've been preaching a few minutes already and and I'm not even done. So just hold on. Amen. If you don't like this kind of preaching, it's going to be miserable. Amen. I've come to preach to somebody in a storm. I've come to preach to somebody that's in it right now. 
that needs a word that's in it right now. Amen. Let, let, let me just settle this right from the top. Right, right from the beginning before I go any further. Let me go ahead and, and, and settle it right now. Before the first lightning flashes, before the first thunder rolls, amen, before I get, before even one single drop of rain hits you on your itty bitty little nose, before you can smell the rain, before you can taste the moisture in the air, I want to settle something right now. I want to settle the end from the beginning and I want to make this statement right now. Before a single storm cloud appears over your ship, let me say this right now. I'm coming out of this. Maybe I should have started this message out with, but let, let, let me say it again. I'm coming out of this. I don't know if you are. I don't got faith for you. I've got faith for me. I'm coming out of this. You got to believe it. You're coming out of this. You need to tell somebody around you right now, I'm coming out of this. Tell somebody else, I'm coming out of this. My storm will not be my grave. I'm coming out of it. My God, I feel like shouting right now. I said, I feel like dancing right now. I believe God will do it for you, but I cannot have faith for you. You've got to open your mouth and say, I will come out of this. I will not live depressed. I will not live in fear. I will not live with anxiety. I'm Coming out. I don't know how. I don't know how God's going to do it. But Brother Chase, I know God's going to do it. I'm he has never failed me. He has bailed me out of too many storms that I thought would kill me before. They have written my epitaph more than once. They have said it was over about me, Brother Clifton, more than once. The doctors told him he wasn't going to live and he wasn't going to survive. But bless God, when you got faith, you can walk out of a doctor's room with a negative report and say, I shall live and not die. You... You were nice about it a moment ago, but I need you to turn to somebody and yell at them. I'm coming out of this. I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't know where, but I know I'm coming out of this. I, I don't know where the money's coming from, but I'm coming out of this. I don't know if it'll be divine healing or it'll be medicine, but I'm coming out of this. I don't know whether they're going to lay hands on me or if I'm going to have to lay on the couch in a therapist's office, but I am coming out of this storm. You got to make a declaration. I'm coming out. I'm not going to die in my dilemma. I'm coming out of this. I'm going to swim or drink the ocean dry. But baby, I'm coming out of this storm. Oh, I feel faith in this house right now. Some of you, let me use a little bit of southern vernacular. Have fun with this. Some of you have wallowed in the mully grubs too long. You have sit there and you have cried in your root beer. Amen. Notice I said root beer. Amen. You have cried in your root beer. You have thrown so many pity parties about where you are. You've already picked out your plot in the graveyard. You go right ahead, honey. As for me, I'm going to walk in the sure promises of God. That if God said it, I'm going to believe it. Because God doesn't promise the obvious. He, I may 
may feel alone, but he said I wouldn't. I may feel sick, but he said I wouldn't be. Hallelujah. I'm doing no better this afternoon than I did this morning. I'm not even halfway and I got to get done. So what do you do when the storm happens, when it erupts? Well, the beginning occurs. And I don't know what all I'm going to have to go through to get to the end of it. I said, I don't know what all I'm going to have to go through to get through this storm. But let's go ahead and set a pin on it right here. And let's say... I shall come forth as pure gold. That no matter what I'm going to have to go through in this storm, by the time I get through with it, I'm going to have been the better for going through it. I will not let my storm make me cynical. I will not let my storm make me bitter. I may have to crawl, but I'm coming out. I may have to cry, but I'm coming out. I may have to pull at my hair and scream, but I'm coming out. I may have to suffer, but I'm coming out. I may have to hold my peace, but I'm coming out. I may have to shut my mouth when they lie on me, but I'm coming out. I may have to let them walk on me and lie about me and abuse me and slander me, but honey, when all is said and done and the waves and the winds die down, I'm coming out pure gold. Pastor, how do you know you're coming out? Well, pretty simple. He's with me. He's with me. He's with me. It's that simple. He's with me. I know this is Sunday school stuff, but he's with me. He's with me. I don't know about you, but he's with me. See, I'm not preaching to try to give you faith. I, I can't give you faith. You got to use your faith and say, he's with me. I believe God can for you, but I cannot believe for you. My faith cannot affect your doubt. You've got to shake yourself right now. Say, no, no, God's with you. God, I may not see him. I may not feel him. I may not hear him, but I know he's here because he said he would be here. He's with me. Look at somebody and say, he's with me. Tell him, say, I don't know about you, but I know he's with me. Now listen, this storm may blow a lot of things away from me. This storm may blow a lot of things away from me, but it will not blow him away from me. I said it cannot blow him from me. Because he's with me in the storm. I, I, I don't know whether you're with me or not. But I'm going to settle this. I know he's with me. I, I know I've got at least one passenger. And I had to learn a long time ago, people were going to come, people were going to go. But as long as he's with me. I was reading an interesting article some time ago about elderly people. You say, why are you reading about elderly people? Because if God tarries, I shall be one. <laughs> now, I'm getting a head start on this stuff, right? right. 
I think it was Waylon Jennings that said, if I'd have known I was going to live this long, I'd have treated my body a whole lot better. Somebody said, the way you treat your body the first 40 is the way it'll treat you the second 40. If that's the case, Lord have mercy. I'm just getting started. Amen. But it has been proven statistically and scientifically that to elderly people live longer if they have anything living in the house. Anything living in the house. Anything living in the house. They don't even have to like each other. They can argue all they want. But as long as they're not alone, they will live longer. They may rub you the wrong way. But you will live longer. Then the scientists took it a step further and said, it doesn't even have to be another person. Elderly people that have pets live longer. I feel bad for them elderly people that go in them homes and they can't have any pets. They can't have any because science has proven they live longer. It can be a cat. It can be a dog. It can be a goldfish, a gerbil. But they said as long as, listen, as long as they've got something to worry about. As long as they've got something to worry about its well-being, they have an obligation to stay. Now, here's what the science didn't say. Because science don't do that. They're just catching up. Imagine if a goldfish can extend your life. How much more your life can be extended if you got Jesus on your boat? In other words, I made up my mind. I'm not in this thing by myself. I got a wife and a daughter, but God forbid something should happen to them. Amen. I won't be in this by myself. Some of you need to quit saying you're all alone. Quit, quit using that language. Say, I'm on myself, I'm on alone. You, you know what you're doing? You are putting a death sentence on your life. Because I'm not in this by myself. I'm not paying these bills by myself. I'm not taking this medicine by myself. I'm not going to work by myself. I'm not raising this child by myself. I'm not going. I've got God with me. Emmanuel, God with us. And, and he's with me. Look at somebody and say, God's with me. Come on, tell somebody else, God's with me. I know he's with me. He's been with me a long time. He's been with me all the 43 years I've been on this planet. He's been with me. All of my life, the Lord has been there. All of my life, he's been faithful. All of my life, he has walked with me. Can I get a witness here this afternoon? All of my life, he's been with me. 
Even when I wasn't with him, even when I didn't serve him, he has been with me and I can look over my life and say, had it not been for the Lord who was on my side, had it not been for God, had it not been for the Lord, Now, now I, I, I got to move on. I gotta, because as you read this, my heart goes out to Paul. You see, Paul's already been through a lot. It's not like you go through one thing and God says, quote a bet, no more. You'll go through stuff. And then, and then God says, oh, you want more? Come here, Storm. You see, Paul's already been through a lot. And the Lord is using the ship to get him into his destiny. And then the thing he was counting on, the thing he was riding on, the thing he was protected by, started coming apart. What do you do when what God gave you to ride in starts coming apart? Do you give up? Do you throw up your hands? Do you walk away? Might I suggest to you this afternoon, oh, help me, Holy Ghost. God never promised you the ship. He promised you. He didn't promise that he was going to be with the boat. He didn't promise he's going to be with the boat. He promised he's going to be with you. So, point number two is simply this. You're writing, you're going to want to write this. Don't preserve the temporary. Quit trying to save what God has not determined to be with you forever. Come on, turn around and tell somebody, don't preserve the temporary. Mm, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. <laughs> Stop asking God to preserve the temporary. God promised you he would get you there, but he never promised how. Is this all right? Am I needing to hurry up and get done with this? Y'all got pot roast in the oven or something? I got I, and I'm, 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 I'm being serious. You won't be done, man. We'll go eat tacos. I'm hungry. Believe me. God never promised. God never promised how you would get there. He just said he was, going to be, he was going to take you there. God promised to bring you through, but he did not say through whom. And if you're not careful, listen to me. I'm trying to, I, I, I want to say this politely, but I can only say it one way. If you're not careful, all of you alpha males and you controlling sisters, you will put all your energy in preserving a boat not understanding that success is not defined by preserving the temporary. 
You're spending all your energy and all your faith trying to preserve something for eternity that God only meant to be temporary. Because we don't want people to see our boat coming apart. We don't want people to see that I got problems and that, and that this is happening and this is happening. And you'll put all of your work into preserving something that God only gave you for a season. You catch that? You'll waste all your prayer energy. You'll expend all your faith until it becomes frustration trying to preserve a ship that God destined to bust on the rocks. Listen, every blessing is not meant to last the journey. I'm going to say that again. This is, I'm, I'm, I can see some of you are getting this and some of you are like, anything but what you're saying. I want this. But every blessing is not meant to last the entire journey. Well, I'm going I'm to I'm I'm get down a little bit more. God will bring some people in your life only to get you from point A to point B. Huh? God will put some people in your life that were only meant to be there for a season. You want to know why you're in so many toxic relationships and you can't survive any? You want to know why? Because you're holding on to a B when God's trying to get you to D. You're trying to love Hagar and Ishmael when God's giving you a Sarah and an Isaac. And one of the hardest things to do, but something we must learn to master as mature children that walk in the light, we need to learn that the blessings of God must be held loosely in our hand and we must learn the valuable lesson of Job for the Lord giveth. And that doesn't make them bad people. I'm in a hurry to finish, but I'm not in a hurry to miss that point. And if you're not careful, you will get to point B, and instead of going to point C, you will stop and try to preserve what you fell in love with at point B. Because it has become your, your like Lionel's blanket. It's your safety blanket. It's your comfort zone. I don't know how to ever made it with that. I don't know how I And the fact you're trying to preserve something God's trying to move you on from is calling, causing you to consistently miss the will of God in your life. And God's a gentleman. He will never pluck it from your hands. When God gives you something, hold it just like that. Don't, don't wrap your fist around it. Hold it like that. Because when God gets ready to move it, you better believe he's going to put something better. I know people, man, I got to hurry. My timer is ticking away and I'm not, I'm, I'm being serious. I know people that wreck their lives because they are still in jobs God never intended to last that long. Say, Pastor, are you talking? You better pray to God and find out. I'm not giving you that word. I'm just, I, I know people 
that wreck potential relationships because they're holding on to something toxic that was only meant to be temporary. And and it is, oh my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm going to try it. And isn't it funny how that person can't get along with any of the new people God's bringing in your life? I'm going to move on right there. I know people that will live a life of misery because instead of waiting on the promise of God, they settled. Brother Chase, I'm trying to hurry. I really am. But I know people end up, listen to me. Listen, I said it this morning, so don't think you're being targeted. I know people that end up in marriages that was never the will of God because they settled before God had brought the appointed one. Settle for a job when God had them a career. Couldn't be patient, so they settled for an apartment when God had home. Settle for a pinto when God had, well, anything's better than a pinto. I guess what I'm trying to say is this. If God promised you A, don't settle for B. And if God promised you black, don't settle for white. And if God promised you green, don't settle for kind of green. And if God promised you blue, don't settle for aqua. You hold on and be faithful until God shows up with exactly. I ain't got time to get into all that. I'm just saying that because, listen, you you got to stop trying to preserve the temporary. And I'm saying that because when the ship comes apart, it doesn't mean you have to come apart. Can you imagine being in the boat, bound and tied, stressed and weary? The thing you was counting on to get you to the other side fell apart. The job you thought you would retire with is now gone. Hmm? The house you thought you would always have gets taken. The marriage you thought you would always be in, somebody walked out on. I told you I was preaching to real people today. Everything you thought, everything you depended on, all of a sudden begin to turn upside down and inside out. How many of you have lost some stuff in the storms of your life? It make you, it'll make you feel like a failure. But listen, you are not a failure because you lost something in the storm. You're not a failure because you lost something in the storm. It was only temporary. That's it. It only failed when you try to preserve what is temporary. This has been a hard lesson for me to learn, and I can't say that I've mastered it, but I can say I've learned it. And sometimes I think people think I ought to react different than when I, the way I react. But I've learned this. I learned this the hard way because I'm not the brightest bulb in the drawer. And sometimes it takes more than one time for me to get it. But listen to me. If it was meant to stay, it couldn't leave. 
And if it was meant to leave, it cannot stay. I didn't scream it, but it was just as anointing. If it was meant to stay, God wouldn't let it leave. And if it was meant to leave, God ain't going to let it stay. And I've had to learn a long time ago, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. And people wonder, why don't you panic? Why don't you lose control? Why don't you bang your fist on the wall? Why don't you threaten? Why don't you, uh uh-uh, uh-uh. Because if God don't want it there, I don't want it there. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Because when it all busts apart, God's got a plan in it. I'm I'm zeroing in. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find the runway, but listen to me. We always see the destruction as the ship as some traumatic event that is irrecoverable from. But could it in fact be that the destruction of the ship could actually be the announcement that you have arrived at your destination? Think about it. Could the destruction of your boat be the announcement. Oh, I'm where God wants me to be. I don't need this stuff anymore. Rather than grieving over the falling apart of the boat, there ought to be a realization that comes to us, amen, that God now has me exactly where he wants me to be. The boat, listen, the boat did not retain its original form. Let me say it again. The boat did not retain its original form. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to zero in on this this afternoon. I said it this morning. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put an arrow in the bow. I'm going to pull it back, and I'm going to let it fly, and I'm going to shoot right through the heart of what is most of our problems. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? You're in love with what you had. Do you hear me? We are too in love with what we had. And we think that if our life does not retain the shape that it started with, that we think that we can't get where God wants us to go. Amen. You see, the boat did not cease to exist. The ship did not vanish from the storm. The ship did not cease to exist on the earth. It just took on another form. It wasn't as comfortable as it had been. It wasn't as glorious as it had been. But the Bible even said, when life takes on another form and all its broken pieces. The Bible says grab a piece of what you got left and hold on. Listen, I read it in your text. The Bible said some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship made it safely to the shore. Just because things are broken in your life doesn't mean you cannot survive. It literally means you are closer now to the promise of God being fulfilled than you have ever been. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Well, isn't there just a relief when you realize my broken boat 
does not mean I have failed. It actually means I've arrived. I'm trying to get you to quit grieving over your busted boat. Come on, I'm trying to get you to stop sobbing over your busted ship. I, I, I need you to look around and realize the only reason why it broke is because God ordained thousands of years before that storm ever hit, God ordained a rock to be right there. And then God ordained a typhoon in the winds to push your ship right into that rock. And when you hit that rock and everything falls apart, it's a confirmation. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. Almost there. Almost there. Oh, Lord, I wish I had another hour I could finish. I'm not even halfway through. But this is where you are. The boat is busted. The ship is shattered and in shambles. You've been tossed into the washing machine of waves and the storm is throwing you back and forth. But the good news is, if the ship can hit land... So can you? But it broke. Be careful, you'll drown in shallow waters. Trying to preserve what God only meant to get you there. Some of you are so frantically trying to hold the ship together. You're grabbing a piece of the stern and a piece of the, the stem and you're grabbing a piece of the rudder and a piece of the steering wheel and a piece of the cabin and a piece of the aft and a piece of this and a piece of the sail and a piece of the main and, and you're trying to put it all together, trying to hold it together. What you should be doing is getting out. Mm. Isn't it funny how we'd rather just keep enduring a storm as long as we're comfortable? So God has to dash our ship across the rocks. Get up. Some of you have survived things you never thought you could survive. Oh, I don't even need to be a prophet to say that. I know we do. As a matter of fact, if you'd be honest with yourself, you'd be honest with you, you'd say, I don't know how many things I survived I didn't think I'd survive. So you thought your last one was going to take you out. You didn't think you'd ever smile again, but here you are smiling. You didn't think you'd ever be blessed again, but here you are blessed. Don't drown in shallow waters. If the boat's hit, it's shallow enough for you to stand up. But pastor, I'm tired. I can't go any further. A psychiatrist said this, and, and I thought it was powerful. I have a dear friend who's a pilot. He said, pilots, the most dangerous thing that can happen to a pilot is fatigue. Because they get so tired that they don't trust the instruments in front of them. Most, wreck, most plane crashes before the 1990s were due to pilot fatigue and pilot error. Pilot error stemmed on from pilot fatigue. Crash happened in Portland back in the 80s or the 80s, 70s. The plane crashed right in Portland because the pilot kept just making circles over the airport because a fuel light went off. 
And he got so fixated on trying to get that fuel light to come off that they ran out of gas and crashed into the sea. You get so focused when you're tired that you stop, you don't even trust what you know is right in your heart. How can you survive a 10,000 foot ocean but drown this close to the promise of God in your life? How could you survive all of that heartache, that sickness, that pain, that abandonment, that abuse and be this close to the shore and drown in knee-deep waters? I'll tell you how. When you are so exhausted, you can't even trust what you know is right. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. But I've come here to tell you this. It's time to stand. But pastor, I've been fighting in the storm for days. Hey, they've been on that ship for days fighting the storm. They hadn't seen the sun. They hadn't seen the moon or the stars. They literally fought for days, 24 hours a day. They were exhausted. And when that ship crashed into the reef and it split into a million pieces, the Bible said they didn't have to go very far before they landed on the shore. I, I am not trying to give you false hope. I really feel this in the Holy Ghost. Some of you are so close to becoming what God wants you to be. But if you're not careful, the exhaustion of trying to preserve the temporary and being in love with what was or grieving what you've lost will cause you to drown in shallow waters. But I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost this afternoon, stand up. It's not as deep as you think. All you got to do is stand. Say, Pastor, is there a Bible for that? Oh, absolutely. Having done all to stand, stand, therefore. And you're about to realize you're a lot further down the road than you thought you were. Amen. Stand with me this afternoon. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Hallelujah. I don't want you to go into another year trying to patch up what God has blasted on the rocks. You need to realize today he's promised he would save me. He never said anything about saving my boat. It's going to save me. And look, as cheesy as it is, and I have felt this so strong. I have felt this so strong. We just come out of awakening. Man, I don't, if you couldn't be blessed at Awaken, I, I just don't know if you can be blessed. I'm, I'm being honest with you. I don't even know if there's hope for you, really. <laughs> it was so powerful. It, I'm still floating on that. But I'm going to tell you what I felt so strong from the Lord about our church. God said, I need you to encourage them to walk away from what is swirling around the reef and the rocks and to stand up and move into a chosen destiny for your life. Don't drown in shallow waters. You've come too far to lose out with God now. 
you've come too far to drown in shallow water. Stand. Just stand. Just stand. God's faithful. You've made it through some stuff. I'm about to open these altars. You've made it through some stuff, haven't you? Every once in a while, it, it does, does you good. Now, the, Jesus said, any man putting his hand to plow and looking back is not fit for the kingdom. I know what he meant. Talking about you got to quit looking back at where you came from, thinking about how good that life was. My Bible tells me that Paul wrote Timothy, and he said this to Timothy. He said, Timothy, I put you in remembrance. Timothy was dealing with major health issues, chronic health issues in his life. He said, Timothy, I put you in remembrance. In other words, modern vernacular was, he was saying, boy, don't forget where you came from. Brother Mike Guy, God's blessed you with a wonderful wife, great career, and gifted with your hands. But I want you to look over your shoulder. Come over here because that thing's going to squib. But I want you to look over your shoulder to a 19-year-old boy. If you would have told that 19-year-old boy sitting in that jail cell one day, you're going to be serving God. You're going to be successful. I don't think he'd have believed you. Look how far he's brought you. Brother Roberto, Brother Sister Michael and I, a few weeks ago, you were up here dancing. I looked at Sister Michael and said, did you ever think you'd see him dancing in a church? And she went, no. <laughs> if you look back to that teenage young man who was so lost and all the junk you went through and you told him, one of these days, you're going to travel the world, see God do works. You're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You're going to have a beautiful family. You wouldn't have believed a word of it. Believe it. But look now. I put you in remembrance. Brother Clifton, when you was a rebel rouser, young man, you would have never believed where you are now. Brother Chase, if you'd have told a 17-year-old, Corey Chase, he's going to be a tongue talker, he'd have laughed you right out of the room. told this good old farm boy from Iowa, one of these days you're going to travel the world and preach the gospel. You're going to have a beautiful wife, two beautiful girls, successful ministry, successful in life, homes. God, you would look at that and you would know. If I'd have showed you a picture of this, that young man would have said, this is not possible. But God, I picked on Sister Cindy this morning. Come here, I'm going to pick on her again. Don't worry, I'm almost done. Come here. If you would have told that 18-year-old, see, I don't know this about her. One day she's going to write a book. She was an 18-year-old hippie living on the streets in Ghirardelli in San Francisco, playing her guitar, crooning out like Janis Joplin. <laughs> Hitchhiked from New York to San Francisco with a flower in her hair. <laughs> Living on the streets. People handing you food. 
if I would have taken what God has done in your life and I'd have jumped back a few years, I'm not going to say how many, but if I'd have jumped back a few years and I'd have told that girl, one of these days, you're going to graduate from college. You're going to be successful in your industry. You're going to have a home. You're going to play and sing for the Lord. You're going to get to travel and play and sing for You think she would have believed me? Not a chance. But I put you in remembrance. Because look at all that God's brought you through. And look where you are now. What I'm trying to say is you are further than you ever thought you would be. You can go play the guitar now. <laughs> Brother Jose, if I'd have told you 10 years ago, one of these days you're going to be a sheriff's deputy. You're going to have a wife and two kids. You would have said, Pastor, I appreciate that, but not, not possible. They've already denied me and said I can't. Look at the goodness of God. Sister Kelly, if I'd have found you at 14 years old, living in Columbia, or 12 years old in Columbia, going through all you went through, all that she went through. And I said, one of these days, you're going to have a husband in America. You're going to have a home, two kids. He's going to be a sheriff's deputy. You won't ever have to go hungry again. You won't have to ask for anybody's leftovers anymore. You would have looked at me and said, tu es loco en la cabeza. Because you couldn't have said it in English at 12. Here you are now. You've been through some storms. Don't drown in shallow waters. Brother JD, you fought in the battlefields in Iraq. You already thought you over there, you thought you didn't think you was coming home. Saw friends die. You'd have never dreamed that you'd have come back much less have a wife, beautiful family, beautiful home, a wonderful career. If I'd have showed a picture to that J.D. McKeever of where you are now, he'd have said, Dad, I put you in remembrance. You were just a punk rocker <laughs> playing death metal and headbanging. If I'd have told you you got a wife and Twin girls, you own a beautiful home. You're very successful in your industry, one of the top in his industry. You'd have looked at me and said, not me. No, I'm going to smoke dope and play big music and live on somebody's couch till I'm 35. Look what God did. Are y'all with me right now? Is this too much? It don't look like it did then. Because you're in the shallow waters. Sister Jamie, a little South Carolina girl, if I'd have told you you were going to marry a guy from the Bronx, she'd have said, I ain't marrying no Yankee. <laughs> if I told you you're going to marry a man, you're going to be in the military. He's going to be successful in the military. He's going to get out and be successful in the industry. You're going to own a home and live in California. If I'd have told 15-year-old Jamie that, she'd have said, I ain't living in California. Them people are nuts. That's what you'd have said. I know you would have.
Because we're from the same region. We if I'd have told you how beautiful the home was, beautiful your family is, how God would bless you and anoint you, you'd probably say, nah, not me. But look, I didn't get myself here. You know who brought me here? Jesus and the storm. What I'm trying to say is, don't drown in shallow waters. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. We just slip your hands up right where you are. I think sometimes we spend so much time begging God for more stuff that God says, no, 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 no. You just need to stand up and realize how far you've come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. Oh, I feel the touch of Almighty God in this place. <laughs> I just want to encourage you. You're further along than you think you are. Thank you, Jesus. You're further along than you thought you were. I'm not saying your worst days are behind you, but I'm telling you, you've got a lot of good days in front of you. Don't drown in shallow waters. You didn't think you'd make it through the last storm. You didn't think you would survive that last failure. You didn't think you would make it through that last typhoon, but here you are, still serving God, still faithful to God. Don't drown. I put you in remembrance. I put you in remembrance. <laughs> so I wonder this afternoon did God speak to you this afternoon? And if He did, I know I can't wait till we get a new building. I so miss altar calls where everybody's able to come. But I do feel God spoke to more than two people. I'm one of them he spoke to. I don't know about you. I've been amening myself all day, two services. I've been amening myself. That's preaching to me. But if God's speaking to you, I want you to come to this altar right now. And I want you to resolve to stand. It's not as bad as you think it is. You're going to survive this. <laughs> you survived the last thing. It may not look like what it used to look like. The ship may have taken on a different form. It may be uncomfortable right now, but it's time to get on the shoreline. You may have sand between your toes. You may have splinters under your fingernails from clinging to those boards and broken pieces of the ship, but it's time to walk. Your shirt may be ripped. 
Amen. Your socks may be off of your feet. Your teeth may be filled with the sand and salt water. But it's time to stand up. You're in shallow water. And it's time to move forward. Don't you drown in shallow Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.